Today is, uh, this Sunday is called Sanctity of Life Sunday. This is a, a Sunday that is set aside and for us to um, remember that all life, all life is precious. And we focus on, uh, you know, the unborn. We focus on that because of the atrocities that are taking place. Uh, with the unborn but you know it's not just the unborn who are suffering in the respect pertaining to life Israel right now is suffering under a heavy load and we uh, as believers are to bless our brothers and sisters in Israel we're to watch out for them we're to look to them because they were given the oracles of God we're to give them honor we give them respect because from them our Messiah came and their Messiah came. So pray for the peace of Yerushalayim, for Jerusalem. We live under the, the finishing work of the Abrahamic covenant, which is, I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curse thee. And so we're living in that, re that realm of the lordship and reign of Jesus Christ, waiting for his soon return. So I have two videos that I would like to present to us. The first one is on um, Johnny Erickson Tata uh, on the sanctity of life. And the other one, I hope you just get blessed out of your socks because this one here is, I want to inspire you. I want to encourage you. I want you to pray for Jerusalem. They are in a, they're in a struggle right now. Amen. And they need our love and our prayers and our support. Um, if you don't, if you haven't heard of Joel Rosenberg, go online, check out Joel's uh, news page, um, and it's it's called um, where did I wrote it down here? All Israel. Who said that? Susie. <laughs> if I if I don't know, ask Susie. <laughs> All Israel news, and you want to keep up with that. And he also has Joshua Fund and other areas of of support for Israel. So if you would, roll the music. <laughs> As we celebrate the sacredness of all life this month, please let's remember that preserving the sanctity of life, it's not merely an American issue, it is global. I remember when I was in Ghana, West Africa, I was speaking at a pastor's conference and I was talking about the importance of embracing kids with disabilities in the church family. It raised a lot of questions, of course, um, some of these pastors had not quite broken free of their culture that insists that disability is a curse from animus spirits or a bad omen from the village witch doctors. Other pastors were still under the impression that a child, uh, let's say born with Down syndrome, is evidence of sin or, or wrongdoing in the family's life. You know, a little like that uh, family of that man Jesus talked about in John chapter 9 verse 2. Well, that myth is as ancient as the friends of Job who spouted the same thing, and it is still prevalent. And at that conference in Africa, one pastor came up afterward with a heartbreaking confession. He had been listening, he had learned a lot from scripture, and he was convinced, yes, that God is sovereign over disabilities, and that of all people, all children, no matter how severely disabled, were all created in the image of God. But with this pastor, that truth stung because he shared with me a story that to this day brings tears. 
He said that um, some years earlier, when he was younger, his sister was born, everyone loved on her. That is until it became clear that something was wrong. His little sister wasn't developing right. She wasn't walking when most toddlers were supposed to. This little African child couldn't grasp things. And looking back, she probably maybe had cerebral palsy, but it didn't matter when it was discovered that this child was permanently disabled. Her father, this pastor's father, wrapped his little girl in a blanket, took her far out into the jungle, the, the bush, uh, put her down on the ground, turned around and left her there to die. And to this day, I get chills thinking of what kind of death she suffered. I mean, this pastor standing there, sharing all this with me, he was in tears because now he realized that his sister is, is not the result of a jungle curse. She was created in the image of God. Now, although we live in a sophisticated, seemingly progressive country, the same philosophy is at play here in America. That unborn child, let's say in the womb, diagnosed with a disability, that child is a target for abortion. And if that child is born in a country like Belgium or Switzerland, doctors there may legally decide to end her life with legal drugs. Well, friend, let's remember that the Sanctity of Life campaign is a global one. So keep speaking out, keep speaking up, dig up the facts, get informed, find out what is happening in your state assembly, which might jeopardize a bill, perhaps it might jeopardize the weak and fragile, whether young or old. Because as Proverbs 31 says, you gotta speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, like that child in Africa. It's my charge to you today on this Sanctity of Life Month.
it comes to life, we look at the great God and Savior and that Jesus said to us, of the Father, he is the God of the living and not of the dead. And he is here to uh, lead us into life in it more abundantly. And so one part of that is just acknowledging and not turning a deaf ear and a blind eye to the things that are going around us. We're living in a time where the enemy would like to pull darkness and take away the light. And so what do we do? The, the, if you get in the darkness, you just turn on the light. That's the easiest thing. Just turn on the light. And so what we want to do is turn on the light to the things. Expose those things that the enemy would like to hide and bring people into darkness. And so we want to take God's word, bring it into the light, and listen to it. And that's where we go here now in our study. We're in 1 Peter chapter 1. And we'll be picking up at verse 13. So if you would, uh, pray with me as we uh, usher in what God wants to speak to us today. Thank you, Lord. We ask, God, that you would take us now, Lord, as little children, that you take us by the hand. Lord, that each one of us, Lord, would reach out in faith and just say, yes, Lord, I want to go with you. I want to hear what you have to say to me. Speak to my heart. We ask these things, Father, for your peace and for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're in First uh, Peter here. And so far we've learned of Peter that uh, he sent these letters to believers. Uh, these believers were on the run. They were in danger of being wiped out by Nero. Uh, they were fleeing. And as they fled, they shared the gospel as they were Wherever they were, they shared the gospel. So Peter's in writing this letter to encourage them to stand fast in the mercy and in the faithfulness of God. In the midst of their trial, learn in the midst of your trials that God is faithful. And that's the big thing is that when we get in trials, we're in trials, it's very easy to fall into, I call them the dis, the discouragement, the disillusion, the disappointment, all the dis. You can just fill it in there. Fixing your eyes on the author and the finish of your faith is a key. Keep your eyes on the Lord. This world is falling around us all over the place. And that's what, what uh, Peter is sharing with them. He's sharing with them about the grace and the mercy and the peace of God. And he's encouraging them to stand fast in the grace that they had learned. And the, and, and the prophets, they were... They were curious about this. They searched for it and they, they didn't quite understand it because the Messiah was going to come and he was going to establish grace. And also we learned how the angels were, they wanted to look into it deeper. They wanted to know exactly what in the world the Father was doing. And so Peter says here, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind in verse 13. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you, future tense, that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Now, when, when we're looking at this, whenever you see the word therefore, you know what you're supposed to do, right? 
Look and see what it's there for. Look back and see what it was. And what, what was just spoken of was that God is faithful in his grace. He's faithful in his grace. And you can count on that. And that's exactly where Peter segues into this whole thing. When he says here, he says, gird up the loins. He's basically saying, get serious. Be ready. Be ready for action. Now, in those days, men uh, back at that time, they wore robes. And they, as they walked around, it was hard for them to run. And if they, something happened and they had to get going quickly, they would reach down in the middle of their, of their legs. They'd grab the back part of their robes and they would pull them up and then they'd take their belts and they would tie it around themselves so they could not get tripped up. So Peter's saying when it comes to grace, don't let your guard down. Be serious. Don't let other things distract you about grace. Because they can trip you up. Like if you, their robes came undone, they could get tripped up. And so that's why he's saying, gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, those things that are kind of fragmented out of there, tie them up. Bring all thoughts into the captivity the obedience of Christ really is what that's talking about. When you get your mind, you ever had a scatterbrained moment? I have them all the time. Sometimes I'm up here and I have a time, you know, I get... And you can tell, too. He's kind of losing it, isn't he? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Barry. But see, the thing is, is that tie them up. Bring them all. Bring them into the captivity. Bring in those thoughts so that wherever, if there's a distraction about grace, well, what is it about grace? Well, grace, as we know, is that word means unmerited favor. You don't deserve heaven, but guess what? Because of Jesus, you're going to get heaven. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? It is a pretty good deal. I deserve the flames of the deepest parts of hell. That's what I deserve. But God loved us so much that he would send his son into the world to save us, to rescue us. He was on a rescue mission, wasn't he? And so he did it. So Peter's saying, don't get tripped up. Make sure that you rest your hope totally upon the grace that has been given to you. Now, he's speaking of the grace of God. We live by, by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. So we look at grace, and it's free gift, and it's for here right now. But the fullness of grace will be experienced, as he says here in future tense, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So in other words, we know by faith we're okay. If we die, we go to the presence of the Lord. Our sins are forgiven, everything. But there's going to be something happening soon, and that's called the coming of Jesus Christ. And so this hope that we have, it's to be fully based upon the grace that has been given to us through Christ. If you're trusting anything else, you've missed the boat. You missed it. Nowhere does it say rest in the efforts. Nowhere does it say your good works. Nothing. It's grace and grace alone. We live in grace. We operate in grace. And we will go home in grace. Also notice that it says fully. This is an interesting word here. Is because it means goes all the way to the end. In other words, you're going to keep in grace until the time of Jesus Christ. Until he comes at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Till he comes. You know... Um, Whenever we feel like we need to help our salvation, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. 
There's nothing else that you can add to salvation. It's already, it's complete in Christ. It's trusting in Him and in Christ alone. All that He did is enough. Dainu. Right, Barry? It's enough. Dainu. There's, that, means that, that means that there's no more that you can add to it. It's enough. He is Dainu. Now, you know, what? You, we need to sit back and remember that some of these Christians and some Christians today, they get into the dis realm, the discouragement, the disillusion, the disappointment, all the dis that you can think of. And what happens? They, they, they begin to slip away. They begin to go back to their old life. They begin to forget the, those things that they have learned about their grace and mercy that's found in Christ. And what he's done for them. And only if they had just turned and turned to Christ and say, Okay, Lord, I need to rest in you. I need to trust you. See, the thing is, is that if failure to believe and to rest, all the things that God has done for us, failure to do that means this. You will struggle at experiencing the peace of God. You can have peace with God but there's the peace of God the peace of God is that part where you you know it's okay you know that you're 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 home you know that you can rest you know that you're there if he comes I'm with him if I die I'm with him you can be at peace Hebrews 4:10. speaking about rest I I encourage you to read chapters 3 and chapters 4 of Hebrews because it's speaking of resting. And he says here, For he who has entered his rest, whose rest? The finished work of Christ, that he has entered into his rest, has himself also ceased from his what? Works. Trying to do it. As God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. That's kind of an oxymoron. You know that? Because when it says diligent, the word diligent means work hard. Wait a minute. So work hard at resting? You ever been sick and you've been in bed and the doctor says stay in bed? You want to get up? It takes work to stay in bed. It takes us. This is the work Jesus said that you should do. That you would believe on him whom he has sent. You want to know what the work you should be doing, what I should be doing, is building myself up in my most holy faith that is in Jesus Christ. That's my job. That's your job. It's for all of us to sit back and make sure that we're built up ourselves in trusting and hope in Christ, relying fully upon this grace. And so he goes on in verse 14, and so as, as obedient children, love obedient children, don't you? I, I, my, my kids, my boys were obedient. Well, while I was watching, I've got to tell you a story about my kids. We lived in Savannah. We had a two-story home. We had this opening that was up top, and the office was up there. And, the, you know, we always thought they were doing good. Well, you know what they were doing? They were jumping out of that down to the second, down to the first, fl first floor and landing on the couch. And I got home, and I looked at the couch, and I'm going, what happened to the couch? And they go, I don't know. <laughs> obedient children, huh? But as obedient children, uh, we shouldn't be going backward. We shouldn't be going backward. You shouldn't be going to the old life. Peter's saying, 
Things may be tough, but running back to the old life isn't going to work. It's not the answer. It's not the answer. He says instead, basically paraphrasing, cinch up, gird up, press on, keep going, don't give up. I want to say that to all of you, don't give up. The soon, the soon return and your realization that at the revelation of Jesus Christ, the grace will be brought, uh, the fullness of it will go. See, it's grace. When you're ushered into the presence of God, that's grace. And there he is. He says, come on in. He's saying, don't be like your old father. I'm, I'm saying here, don't be like your old man. Be like your, your new father. Strive to be holy. Strive in a way that your conduct is, is meaningful. It's open to the world as they can see. Basically, wholeness, holy means wholeness or wholesome. Are you holy? Have you set yourself apart? Is God pure? Yeah, he is. So what are we to do? We're to strive to live a pure life. Is God righteous? We should strive to live a right life. Do you know that some of these things we're talking about? uh, Without the help of the Holy Spirit, I can't do this. I can't. It'd be like this. Okay, everybody right here, right now. Don't think about pink elephants. And what happens? You're all thinking about pink elephants. But the only way that we can quit thinking of the old way that we used to think is to put on that new mind, that new mind that we were renewed in Christ. He's the only one that can break the chain of the old way of thinking. Let that mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. There's always this this work that he wants to do in us and it's changing us from the inside out, from glory to glory. Now, verse 16 I want to tell you, is not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's an imperative. It's one that he says, okay, be holy as I'm holy. Okay? Then you have to be holy like like God. Well, how can you do that? Can you do that on your own? It's It's a God thing, isn't it? It's something that I need his help to do it. So in verse 17, as we move on, you can either focus on the things of God And get serious about your life in Christ. Or you can drift back to your old way of life. It's up to you. It's your choice. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. But lukewarm is not an option. In the middle. You ever seen the squirrels going back and forth across the the street? You know what ends up happening to them? Right in the middle. The poor little guy. I had one go underneath my truck. I was going, oh, no, no, no. And I'm going on, and he's down in, underneath there, and I'm driving on. I see him run out the other side, and I go, wow. Most of the time, they end up with a big, huge, you know, pancake down there. But lukewarm, don't get in the middle. Don't get in the middle. He says here, and if. I want you to notice that he says, and if, in verse 17. And if, that's a, he's making a hopeful statement here. And if you call on the Father, He's hoping you are. He's hoping that, that, that he's assuming that you are calling on him. But if you are, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to his each word's work, conduct yourself uh, throughout the time of your stay here in fear, 
knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, the old way, but the precious blood of Christ as a lamb, as of a lamb without spot or without blemish and without spot. We all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This judgment is not a judgment of condemnation. It's of commendation. It means that when we stand before him, what you have done for Christ is the only thing that will matter. When you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, those are the only things that will matter. When we finish here, you can do all the good works. You can do all kinds of things. You can give your body to be burned, as Paul said to the Corinthians, and yet you don't have love. You don't have that work of the Holy Spirit and that life that confirms in Christ. It means nothing. You can be one of the greatest evangelists in the world. You can do all kinds of great things. But yet, if you don't rest wholly and solely upon the work of Jesus Christ, it's just you. It's just you. So the judgment seat of Christ is there and says, hey, what'd you do with my son? Well, I did this and I did that and I did this. And as long as it's done for his kingdom and for his glory and his, his leading, that's great. But what about the people that say, well, didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I do that in your name? Did they? And Jesus is going to say to them, depart from me, I, you worker of iniquity, because there was no relationship. God desires relationships. He, loved, he loves to have what we, we know as koinonia, that, that inter-body relationship. He wants to sit back and talk to you. He wants to hear from you. You know, talk to him. He'll, he'll speak back to you. You know, you ever, you ever been sharing something with somebody and leading them to Christ? And they go, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Just say, well, just ask God to re- talk to you. What do you mean? Well, he'll talk to you. He'll say something. If you're listening, he'll just listen. If you're, see- if you're truly wanting to hear from God, he will speak to you. Jeremiah says that. If you search for me with all your heart, I'll be found by you. So there's people that are out there that we need to sit back and bring them uh, to that that understanding that Jesus is right there and he wants to call them in. So the rewards will be the ones that we have done for Christ to bring uh, people to Christ. But our conduct should be one of holiness, right living, pure living, and living like Jesus lived. You know, when it says stay, uh, the time of stay in fear there in verse 17. In other words, how's your life matching up? How's your life doing? Jesus said this in Luke 12, 4. He says, and I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more than they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. You know, this is, our, the, I mean, it's a, not, it's a fearful and awesome thing to fall into the hands of the living God, the scripture says. The thing that we should be concerned about is the reper- repercussions that sin has on our life. What are you doing? Why are you going there? The answer isn't in the old way, it's in the new and living way. Don't let the old man, don't let the world, don't let those things. 
You know, it's easy. We can, the enemy, he wants to meet you at the door and he wants to sit back and take you away. That's, that's his desire. But we were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We weren't redeemed by gold or silver, by those things, these, those, those lifeless things. We were redeemed by the life-giving blood of God's Son. Leviticus says the life is in the blood and I have given it to you as an atonement upon the altar. That's future tense that he's speaking of of that day when Christ would be on the cross. Exchanging his life for ours. That just, that just gets me every time he, he exchanged his life for mine. He is the supreme sacrificial lamb. There is no greater He's without spot or blemish. We know that when Adam was created, he was created without spot, but he became blemished because he fell into sin. But Jesus remained faithful all the way to the end. It is finished. It's done. It's accomplished. And so Peter says he, now I'm going to say he and him and him, and it's going to say, this is Jesus. So I'm just going to say, Jesus indeed was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for you, who through Jesus believe in God, you through him, Jesus, believe in God, who raised him, Jesus, from the dead and gave him, Jesus, glory so that your faith and hope are in God. That, you, that through Christ, that you would have hope in God. That, that's the bottom line. See, when God planned this whole thing, he, he knew what Adam was going to do. He knew he was going to walk away from him. But he did it anyway. He did it anyway. And he had a plan of salvation before anything was ever created. He already knew what Adam was going to do. He knew what you were going to do. He knew what I was going to do. And yet he still went through with it. That's amazing. That's amazing that he would do that. But why did it take uh, the life of God's son to redeem us? Well, I'll, I'll show you something. I'll tell you something here. It just shows how great sin was. Why did God have to send his son? You ever thought? I remember that when I first got saved. Why did Jesus have to die for me? I didn't realize how great sin was and how powerful sin was. So if sin was so great, then the sacrifice had to be what? Greater. Supreme sacrifice. It had to be the supreme sacrifice. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus took our penalty of death. You and I were under the penalty of death. Separation. That's what death is, is separation. We were under the penalty of death. So he took that so that we could experience his life. You know, experiencing the life of God. That's amazing. Do you know that right now, if you're born again and you're here, you're experiencing through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're experiencing the life of God. That's amazing. That God is here with us and he's speaking to us and we're hearing him. That's God. You know, our hope, he wants our hope to be resting in God. Our faith and hope. 
John says this in John, First uh, John three, two and three. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. For when for we shall see Him as He is, and everyone who has this hope in Him, in Jesus, purifies himself just as He is pure. So when John says he who has this hope purifies himself, he's calling on believers to make sure your faith and hope are going in the right direction. Is your faith and hope in Christ? Or is your faith and hope in faith and hope? You got faith in faith or hope in hope? Oh, I hope it's going to work. Oh, I have faith. What kind of faith? Where's your faith going? Who is it in? Well, that's important. Where is your faith directed? That has to have a direction. So Peter says, since you have purified your souls, in other words, he's saying this is a done deal. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, all the glory of man as the flower of grass. How many people die? All of us. We all fade away. The grass withers and the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now is, this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. The good news is, is that God won't fail you, bottom line. If you're born again, your faith and hope should be directing you towards purity. It should be a place where you know that, it, you know, the Holy Spirit's come into the world to convict us of sin and righteousness and of judgment. He's come to convict us. We have the three, I call them the three C's. There's the con conviction, there's the challenge, and then there's the comfort. The conviction, the challenge, and the comfort. Conviction, you're going the wrong way. Which way are you going to go? Oh, repentance, you turn. The challenge, go that way. And then the comfort is Romans 8.1. Now, you all know Romans 8.1, right? Come on. There is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the what? The Spirit. I knew you knew it. Praise God. Faith and hope in the direction that we go. Now the reason here in verses 23 to 25, the reason we're to love one another is because we're all a part of the same family. Do you know that? We're all different in here, aren't we? But we're all, if you're born again, you're all part of the same family. We've all been redeemed by God himself. It was, God was in Christ reconciling the world. I'm not going to give you something that I don't back it up with scripture. It was, God was in Christ reconciling the world. It was the fullness of God himself to redeem us. It was taking him. So, we are called the born again family of heaven. Can you say that with me? Born again family of heaven. That's who we are. We're the born again family of heaven. This is heaven. You know, 
when we look at us, we're, we're people. Have you ever heard somebody say to you, ah, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good? Yeah. You know, that's just the that's the enemy talking there, isn't it? I'm to be so heavenly minded so I can be earthly good. I've got to fix my affections on heaven. I've got to fix my affections on where Christ is. If I want to be any good here, I've got to fix my, my affections there. Heaven's my home. It's your home if you know him. And our security in that is locked in heaven. It's locked in the vault. I call it the vault of heaven. The, the, the inheritance of the saints is locked in heaven. But notice what he says here. The word of the Lord endures forever. Man's words will fail, but God's words will never fail. Heaven and earth will pass away, but no, by no means my word will ever pass away. Jesus says there in Mark 13, 31. So in other words, if he's spoken this sure word to us, the supreme word to us, the supreme sacrifice of the Son, the supreme Savior of the Son, and the word is supreme, I think that we don't need Diana Ross to come and tell you it's supreme. It's supreme. This is the supreme word of God. So Peter's saying this. Now remember to bring it back into to the picture here. He's saying this for those people who were fleeing for their lives. This is to be encouraging for them and for us here. They were under the threat of being killed and destroyed. And here we are too. But you know, the Lord is saying, you know what? I've got you. My, put your hope fully in the dr- grace that has been given to you through Christ. Put your hope and trust in what he says. Put your hope for the next thing that's going to take place in your life. Maybe a blessing, maybe a tragedy. It doesn't matter. Bring it under that covering. Bring it into that hope and that trust that you know is only found in the fullness of the grace of God. You don't deserve it, but he wants to give it to you. So rest. Let's rest, okay? Okay. Father, we thank you for this morning. We ask that, Lord, that you would uh, just work in us, Lord, as we come to just finish and sing uh, our departing song. Lord, we ask that you just would inhabit our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. With a thousand hallelujahs, we magnify your name. You alone deserve the glory, the honor, and the praise. Lord Jesus, this song is forever yours. A thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. Praise to the Lord, to the Lamb, to the King of Heaven. Praise for he rose, now he reigns.
sing forever with a thousand hallelujahs we magnify your name you alone deserve the glory the honor and the praise lord jesus this song is forever yours a thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. Amen. You know, the scripture says that we're to bless each other uh, when we leave. You know the, that when Jesus was with his disciples and he walked with them, they would leave with a hymn and they would walk out. Well, we do that when we do the the Aaronic benediction. You know, when, when I may lead right up here to do it, but what you're doing is you're you're reaching over across the aisles and you are blessing the family of heaven. You're blessing the family of heaven. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. And be gracious unto thee, and be gracious unto thee, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee, and give thee peace. Amen. Let the peace of God rule your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God bless you all.